dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning hey george hey lions how's it going it's going in space <laughs> you you wouldn't say it's going masterfully no <laughs> oh. No, just just in space. Doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I'd say that I was like the master of a horizon for some, you know, two second length of time or something like that. No, nope. You're, I, you're just talking gibberish now. It's just, uh, it's just word salad. Yeah, so the game we played was Masters of <laughs> Couldn't even get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Masters of Orion 2 Electric Boogaloo. Because you see, it would have made more sense if we were playing Masters of Orion 4, because then it would have been Masters of Orion 4, Masters of Orion in space. See, that's why there is no Masters of Orion 4, because it's, Master- it's all Masters of yeah. Orion 4. Yeah, it's Master of Orion, Master of Orion 2, colon, Battle at Antares, Master of Orion 3, and then they remade Master of Orion 1, but with the Master of Orion 2 mechanics. I'm serious. I don't know why they did this. They, it's weird. But the, the newest one, I have it, and I refuse to play it, because I'm so afraid it can't possibly be good, right? Because there was like a 20-year gap practically between two, which is the last good one, because three was garbage. Like, I just... I, I just what did three do, do poorly? Uh, I think they just went too deep on certain mechanics, mm-hmm. and it just became... A game that's already about micromanaging the entire universe became about micromanaging the entire universe, but not fun, yeah, and and I think that, and obviously we'll get into this in the episode, but I think that that's something that a game like this, this type of game, a, a Civ, simu- Civ simulation, um, will always struggle with, which is, it is about basically being a governor, but you have to find that part of like, this is fun, and not just pouring over 50,000 different spreadsheets, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I don't, I don't yeah. want to play Excel spreadsheets in space. I want to play you know, warlord in space or benevolent dictator in space or, you know, liberator of the universe in space. And that's, there's not a lot of spreadsheets that go along with those job titles. There are spreadsheets. Someone else is taking care of them. Right. Which is, uh, which is why I need to be a controller later on in my life. But, uh, (laughs) yes, we did play this game. So, uh, uh, November, November 22nd, 1996. I always, I promise the listeners that I will always tell them when the game came out. Um, (laughs) The other thing I have to say is, uh, do you know, you said this is a civilization-like game. Do you know what those games are called? Like what that genre is? No, I should. It's a 4X strategy game. That's right. So I kept using that phrase on stream until finally Mm -hmm. someone called my bluff and was like, what's that stand for? I was like, oh no, I don't remember. (laughs) Hang on. Is it, it's, it's, explore x uh no i'm out (laughs) (laughs) one and done it's explore expand exploit and exterminate yeah yeah that's my favorite x yeah (laughs) that's the good um yeah but i I do it's one of those things that 
I like somewhere in my life, I learned this term and I learned that it meant games like civilization and like master of Orion. And I just internalized that and then immediately forgot what it was an abbreviation for. And then, you know, when you're talking to people who are watching you play that game and they don't know that term and you say that term 75 times, eventually someone's like, so you seem to have an intimate familiarity with that term. What does it mean? And then you look like an asshole. Yeah. Uh, so all this is true. So yes, we did. We did play this game. Uh, what is your nostalgia experience for this game? This is uh, among the games that I associate uh, almost entirely with my older brother. Um, he introduced me to this series, uh, the first one originally, and then the sequel uh, when I was a kid. Um, I played it a little bit with him because you can actually play this game in kind of a local two player where it's like, okay, don't look at the monitor while I take my turn. I don't remember ever doing that, but I do remember him kind of like helping me understand, right? Because I mean, when this game was brand new, this is a, like right at the threshold of what you could reasonably expect a kid my age to be comfortable sure. with, right? So he, he kind of shepherded me through that a little bit. Um, and then like smash cut to uh, when I was an adult is I think I introduced you to this game. You did. Yeah. yeah no, that's, that's- <laughs> That's my nostalgia experience for it. Yeah. Yeah. So like those are my two is like someone, you know, gave me the knowledge of and wisdom. And then I got to impart that to someone else. And, and I have never done it again. Like I've never introduced this game to anyone else. So like you need to now go out and share it with other people because apparently you can only share it with one person. I was going to say, it's like a one person thing. Like you have to pick a disciple. Yeah. So you, you were my master of Orion disciple. (laughs) So that would make you my master of Orion. That's right. Yes. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, so my nostalgia experience was if I remember correctly, you know, this was when we were living together in college, you know. True. And and uh yeah, this was after the um 3 TV super weekend experience, which was the best when we both requested off of work, had no school and set up three televisions in the main area where one of which we were each playing video games on and in the center we were streaming or not streaming, playing anime nonstop for an unhealthy amount of time. I mean, if we're really being honest with ourselves, um, because I remember this is slightly tangential because I remember we had gotten to the point where both of us were way overtired because you were playing God of War, one of them, one of them. And there was a balance beam portion. And you got so upset that you lashed out at me because I remember it because <laughs> I was playing Final Fantasy Tactics and I lost and I shouldn't have lost because I, I had already made my characters like God characters. I just was not paying attention. And I was like, uh, I, and, and, and you fell off for like the 15th time. And you're like, damn it. And then I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm struggling too. And you're like, yeah, but this game's hard. What's your excuse? <laughs> <laughs> That's, thank you for refreshing me on that. Because one, that totally sounds like something college me would have said. So I'm sorry about that. And, yeah, it's all good. Two, when I think of the game, because if I recall correctly, you played Tactics almost that entire time. Yeah. And, and I cycled through a couple different games. Uh, and one of the games that I remember playing during that time was Metal Gear Solid 2. And you just constantly being like, what is happening? Because, <laughs> like, I mean, even if you know the lore of that universe, it's all still just completely banana pants. So coming in in the middle of the franchise and only like sort of half paying attention, like you were doomed to failure. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the the, the best summary I've seen of that video game is uh, video game donkey's summary. Oh, so and that's, that's mostly that's be- excellent. Yeah, because I, I remember like sending it to you and you being like, he's not 
there are no jokes in this. It's just, he's literally just reciting the plot to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so after, after that, you know, and you'd introduce me to Final Fantasy Tactics, you were like, hey, if you like that, you'd probably like a game like Masters of Orion 2. And I remember throwing about an hour into it and being like, oh, no. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't, I knew this about myself, but like I threw way too much time at this to like the, the detriment of my studies, you know, because there's a reason why I've never played World of Warcraft because like, it's like going up to a Coke addict and being like, would you like some Coke? You know? So, I mean, like when you said, oh, you should play Masters of Ryan 2, I was in it. I'm like, well, I have now snorted this line of what I naturally assumed was flour and I don't know why I was snorting it, but it was not. It was pure uncut Colombian cocaine grown on the North Mountain, Southern Slope. You know, like it's it's just, you know, it was beautiful. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, I played this game just topped i mean for i think about a year it was the main game that i played so played it a lot and and so uh knowing that we both uh massively abused the drug that was this game because it's just just one more turn dude just one more turn just one more turn man i'll I'll go to bed after one more turn yeah just one more that that was it i just or like like once i get this next scientific discovery you know i just i just need i just need to build one more death star then i'll save then i'll go to bed but so knowing that and don't don't give away how you felt on this playthrough, but knowing that, did you feel the same anxiety going into this replay I did? Because I haven't played this game in a long time, and I was like, I don't know if I'm willing to ruin these memories. Like when we <laughs> when we first decided we were going to play this, I was like, yeah, I'm excited. And then the closer I got to that first play session, I was like, what if I don't like it? I'm going to be sad. <laughs> like there was a lot of anxiety before that first playthrough, and then you know it kind of went through the rhythms we'll talk about, but like. Did you feel that at all? Or did you just go in like, like, yay, cocaine and just dive right in? <laughs> I did just <laughs> like the powder, you know, of my naked body. Cause I assume when you, you know, dive into a pile of cocaine, you gotta be naked. Right. You know, I um, mean, I, when you dive into most things, you know, yeah, exactly. Like a, a Scrooge McDuckian <laughs> pool where you shatter everything <laughs> upon it. Um, yeah, no, actually, I wasn't too worried uh, because, and uh, I'll mention it now because it's certainly going to come up, uh, is that I have been playing Civilization VI to an unhealthy amount recently. <laughs> so um, I was pretty confident that I remembered because, you know, I was constantly hearkening it back to Masters of Orion 2, and, and I'm going to hearken it forward to Civilization VI a lot in this one, so, you know, brace up. Um, but uh, I... I, I kind of felt like I had a solid memory of it because I was like, unless the game literally does not function the way I remember it, because I I could remember the graphics pretty clearly, and I'm like, and I remember this type of game, it would, I'm like, I think it's just going to be like Civilization VI, but simpler, and it, you know, did not disappoint in that area, so, now I wasn't too worried, just because, again, like, I was literally coming off (laughs) <laughs> I was coming off of a heroin bender, so I was like, ah, yeah, it's just some cocaine. I'll just, I'll just t- take the heroin edge off with a little bit of cocaine. Um, <laughs> so actually, uh, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a rare segue uh, into promotion, uh, which is, you know, thanks to followers on Twitch and folks who talk to us on Twitter and uh, people who leave reviews. Like, we really do love all that stuff. That That's the real cocaine, right? Is we just, we eat it up. Um, but to put it into context, what my experience of playing through this game was like, uh, I got, I think, maybe like six streams of this on Twitch, which is good because the way my schedule is like, that means I, I was putting a lot of public time into it, let alone the time I was just playing on my own. And 
every single stream, someone messaged me in the chat and was like, time check. Cause like they know what time I usually go to bed <laughs> and they were like, nice. yeah, you're, you're like, you're still swimming around in that pool, buddy. And I was just like, yeah, yeah but I just, it. just, just one more turn, just one more turn, just one more turn. That's all I need. That's all I need. Um, so yeah, so thank you for everyone. There's one other, uh, small segment that I'd like to inter- insert here, um, which is, I know that these are evergreen episodes. And so you could be listening to this at any point in time and whatever, but if you're listening to it, when it came out, it is currently, um, October the 9th, right? So that means that, uh, election day is coming up regardless of what your political beliefs are, anything like that, you should go out and vote. And so in order to do that, you should be working on if you have not already registered to vote. So please take some time, you know, pause this podcast, go register to vote wherever you are, go make your voice heard because that's really important. And, uh, and you should do that. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll chime in just, uh, that's an evergreen message. Like, please, whenever you're listening to this, uh, this is an important part of being a member of American society. If you're one of our listeners from outside the United States, uh, you probably know people here harass them and make sure they're registered to vote and that they actually <laughs> go and vote because uh, our countrymen are not always the most uh, democratically active. Yes, that is, that is accurate. And with that PSA out of the way on to the show visuals. I, okay. So here's the thing about PC games. Um, my love affair with the PC has waxed and waned over time. And for a long time in my gaming career, I would not have considered myself a PC gamer. I still struggle with that term because, you know, I play a ton of games on my PC all the time. I just like that meant something when you were a kid, right? Like you were an N64 gamer, a PlayStation gamer, you were an Atari gamer. You were like a PC gamer, right? That meant something like which, you know, members only jacket you were wearing. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the things that that does to you when you consider yourself a console gamer is when you do sit down at a PC game, you're constantly going, Oh my God, the graphics, the graphics are amazing. (laughs) Oh my God, look at these graphics. Right. And so that was a lot of my memory of the visuals of these games and also my lived experience sitting back down to it. I was just like 1996. These graphics are amazing. Look at these graphics. (laughs) And I had to constantly remind myself like, right, it's a PC game. So they had access to PC hardware, which is not what a game on you know, the Super Nintendo or the PlayStation or the N64 at this in 1996 would have looked and played like, right? It's just everything's high res. Everything's so smooth. Everything looks and feels so good and the beam effects and everything. Like it's, it's very nineties, but it's very PC nineties and it looks, it's just it, mwah, chef's kiss. Yes. No, could, could not agree more. Um, it, this is mildly tangential, but uh, I always consider myself to be a console gamer. Um, I, I although I did dabble in PC gaming, I remember the exact day I quit PC gaming, which was Diablo three had just come out. And, uh, you know, so I went out and I bought it and I plugged it into my computer and it said, nah, man, your, your visual, uh, card, your, your video card is not going to handle this even a little, you dumb, dumb piece of shit. And so I went <laughs> out, out of here, right? you console peasant. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. So uh, I went out and shelled out another $200 for a video card to play the $60 game. I plug it in and I'm like, okay, it's been another two days for me to go down there and get spoken down to by the people at Best Buy, but this is not worth it. I will now get to play Diablo 3. And it said, your video card cannot be run with the power source you currently have. So I went back out and I came back and I tried to plug in the power source and it says, silly human, you don't know how to plug in this power source. And then just I wove a, a tapestry of profanities above <laughs> my, my room 
And because I was now like $400 into this $60 game. And I was like, no, you see, this would never happen with a PS3. When I go out, I get a PS3 game, I put it into the PS3 and it plays on the PS3. So um, with all that being said, yes, I was also startled by the visuals because <laughs> again, most of my uh, video gaming knowledge is pinned to uh, consoles, you know? Um, so yes, this this game is stunning. It is interesting to think though, that there was a time when these these graphics, you may have got to go out and go get a different visual vi- video card because uh, it, 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 it doesn't skimp. Um, I think that they did a really good job in determining like when and where they leverage their, their visual hard work, you know, in the sense of, you know, they have a lot of uh, 3d rendered cutscenes, which are really, really nice and help flesh out the universe. Um, but they don't, make your computer basically sound like it's about to take off of a jet platform every time you try to run it because most of what you're looking at is the uh is basically your UI you know like your or your diegetic UI you're you're, you're looking at the universe right yeah you, so get, most you of got the time your map you got your buttons it's not yeah. all you know crazy uh aliens running at each other across an open field of battle exactly so um so because of that, I think that uh, they they were correct in the way that they leveraged the visuals that they had, um, well, which and, I think is pretty th- good. Think about some of the places that they are in gameplay where they press a little bit harder is uh, when you are um, communicating, uh, meeting, when you're having the, the, you know, the liaison with the other emissary from the other Ooh, race. Liaison. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the the 3D rendered uh, background room with the holographic projector in it and then like the little sparkly star trek you know glitter mm-hmm. in water comes down and then they like appear in floating in midair and it's very uh, it's almost kind of like in star wars how they just like project into the middle of an open room yeah it's, it's kind of yeah it's got like that feel a little bit uh, but they're full color but they're like a little there's a little screen door effect because they're cast and they move and they kind of talk and it's a canned animation that just plays on a loop but it feels impressive, right? And what I think is happening there is that's literally what you would be seeing with your eyeballs if you're standing in that room. And then the map and the buttons is more like what you see on your screen when you are ruling the galaxy, right? You're commanding troops, you're sending ships, but you don't literally see the ships. You see like a representation of the ships. You don't literally have cameras floating around every star system that you control. You're seeing a representation of the star system and they still look really good, but you don't expect to see little people walking around and, you know, getting in and out of taxis and buying ice creams and stuff like it's just, it's a representation of the city or of the star system or even of the battle, right? Like it's all kind of, I use the word tokenized, but like it's, it's it is it's yeah. a yeah it's a projection of what things would be like but when you're in uh the communication when you're in the council meeting when somebody calls mm-hmm. and they're like we're gonna vote for a ruler of the universe right like that's a way higher fidelity visual it's way higher uh movement from all the characters that are on screen and they're voting for whoever's gonna be cap like captain in charge of things um when you get a a new scientific discovery and it's because all of those times you're physically present, that's what you would literally be seeing. And it's, it keeps your PC from turning into a hovercraft, right? And like, that's a real concern because a couple times yeah. I played this on my Mac and there's a modern ass computer. And it's still a few times was like, and I was like, Mac, can you really not run this DOS software? Like, please come on, <laughs> come on, get it together. So, 
So a couple things that you uh, that you mentioned. One is uh, you 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 mentioned the when when you all get together uh, and uh, and you know vote on like who's going to be the the leader of the universe. And I'm just going to sprinkle some of these stories in. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite things to do, and this is definitely more mechanics, but one of my favorite things to do was when they all got together and they're like who will you vote for? And I had like way overpopulated the galaxy. So I got like 56 votes and like somebody else got like five and seven and stuff like that, you know? So like the seven people will be like, well, who are you going to vote for? Like, and you can just vote for yourself and then win. Right. But I'd be like that guy. And they're like, you, are you, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, no, that guy, I want him to be the ruler of the galaxy. And they're like, okay, well then he's the ruler. Do you submit to his rule? Nah, not, nah, not nah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. And then it's like, well, then we're at war. It's like, I know. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then that was the reason I needed to, uh, to become the true Cylons and exterminate the universe. Uh, so, but one of the things that the clever little visual tricks that they do, uh, especially in the, room where you meet with people right it's because that does it feels very grand right you know even though it like you said like it's got the screen door effect which i think uh really helps the fact that when they're kind of going through the animations it makes it seem smoother because you know they're basically just kind of like moving pieces you know like they, they've got like the the arm and they're literally just moving that arm piece you know so that would look kind of janky but because they use the scream door effect right it doesn't look very robotic it looks you know normal but the way that they make it actually look really um grander is because they actually make it so that way that you are looking up at the alien right which is a great little screen trick that they actually use in uh, movies all the time which is that you know when the camera angle is low to the person it makes that person seem powerful because it makes it seem like they are towering over you whereas if you want to make somebody seem small you put the camera over them so it makes it seem like you are towering over the person and by extension that they're small so just that little kind of trick tricks your brain into thinking like oh my gosh there's this leader of this other civilization they teleported in out of nowhere and they're enormous look at how big they are and it's like they're not big they just move the camera angle down which is again little things like that show uh kind of how clever they were with their resources there are uh a few things that i found frustrating about the ui uh one is that as a 4x game you are where those four x's uh (laughs) x x x and x um one of them is mega man yeah extreme yeah yep mega man x (laughs) tony hawk pro skater extreme (laughs) <laughs> mountain dew code red um, <laughs> it's, that one doesn't even have an x in it um <laughs> try i'm gonna have to leave you blowing your nose on the track now because you laughing while blowing your nose was really funny so that's just staying oh, in no. <laughs> all right normally uh, i get to be pretend to be more professional than that um, it, it, it was bound to happen eventually. Um, uh, what I, I found frustrating, but it's not really the game's fault is there's a lot of information hidden behind right click a lot of information. Like for example, most of it, right? Because what they don't want to do. And I think this is the right decision is they don't want to shove every detail in your face all the time because eventually you will commit the more important stuff to memory, right? So you don't have to remember exactly what uh, every racial trait does, right? You can right click on them and then it will tell you exactly what it does. But when you're playing your 800th round, it's really easy to just go through and create a custom race and just boom, boom, boom. These are the traits I want, right? Uh, When you're 
managing your fleet or when you're uh, putting spies out or when you're using them defensively or whatever, like all of the text that tells you what those things do or like when you're getting um, um, like leaders, right? And and they have like, these are the five bonuses that this leader brings to you. You can right click on all of those and it will give you a long, elaborate explanation for what that thing does. And when you've been playing the game for a while and you start to internalize like, oh, this term means this thing and a plus one here is a big deal, but a plus one on that thing is not as big of a deal, right? Like you start to internalize all that, but you got to do that internalizing step. And I'm, I remembered a lot of stuff, dude, like way more than I expected to, but there were some things that I was just like, what the hell is this? Why, why do I care about this? And I did not remember that that right click menu was there because that paradigm has changed a lot over the years, right? Where there's a, a toggle, there's a little question mark icon. There's something to tell you that there's additional information. And it just, because I'm not, I don't consider myself a PC gamer. Like my brain didn't immediately go to right click on it. And so I played for a good couple of hours before I was like, wait a minute, click. Ah, God damn it. (laughs) I I mean, it's, it's, it's partially my fault, but it's also like, I just, I don't recall anything in the interface that screams. You can basically right click on everything to get context. Now, if you're a PC gamer, you associate right click with context menu. Cause that's what you call the menu that comes up when you right click on stuff. But I don't consider myself PC gamer. nerd. Yeah, I am. But apparently yeah. not enough. <laughs> you're the worst kind of nerd. <laughs> Poser uh, nerd. This guy's <laughs> a great big phony. He's a phony. Yeah, that, um, but that, that was my one real qualm with the UI is there's just so much information and I really wish there was just a tiny subtle reminder that it's like, Hey, you can dig deeper. We will tell you more if you need to know more. Right. Um, the nice thing though, and we can get into this a little bit more in mechanics, which is that even if you don't have that information, you you don't have to have it, you know, unless you're crazy enough to go in on your first pass in anything above easy, you know, in which case then, yeah, you'll probably lose because you don't really understand the ins and outs of the game, but you know that's an unwise decision in and of itself. Well, and there, one the lowest difficulty is literally called Tutor, which yeah. I think is kind of awesome because that's the designers saying, "Hey, there's a lot in, dude. There's a just so much in here to unpack. We had to hide a bunch of it from you. Like that's how much yeah. there is to unpack in here. So by calling the easiest difficulty." tutor right another nice ui decision instead of very easy or or simple yeah you know daddy can i play like they do in doom or whatever um that makes it a lot more inviting but it also communicates to the player you need to learn what to do to play this game right tutor is very different than easy there's one throwaway thing i have but the one main thing that it did that i didn't really like and this is kind of a simple note but i don't know man it just it bugs the ever-loving mess out of me which is the distance between planets is not correct in the sense that Gra- graphical well, representation. Well, no, but what I'm saying though is that, like, you know, literally I'll have two planets that are like two centimeters apart on the screen and eight parsecs away, and then another one that's four centimeters away and like six parsecs. You know oh, what I'm saying? You mean the the distance visually literally does not match up with the mechanical measurement? Correct. Oh, that's annoying. I'm glad I didn't yeah. notice that because I would have bugged the hell out of me. 
Oh no, it's it's <laughs> it's in, it's so frustrating because and it, I mean maybe I'm missing something, but like literally whenever I'd be like, okay, I've got a new spacecraft, like where where can I take him? I I'd be like, okay, well this this star system's really close. Ah, oh, no, it's twelve parsecs. All right, well then I guess that I can't do anything with it, and then I just click around just to kind of see like you know, well what do I think could be on this, and it, and then further away be like, oh, well, this one's only three parsecs, and it wasn't. It wasn't like a null distance. It was a substantial distance, you know, difference, so, especially in the beginning before you get like the iridium fuel cells and like the higher tier, you know, stuff that'll allow you to go further. Uh, it super matters. Um, and so that that bothered me. And then also, too, and this I can't I don't have enough data to really um, make again, make an assessment on this. But I really feel that. They are not, and this would be such an, an easy kind of tangential learning thing, which is that I don't believe that the colors of the stars correlate as strongly as they should to the types of planets around those stars. No, I'm, you know? I'm pretty sure it's, it's either random or designed to look nice. Right. More than, I mean that- than anything else, but I, I don't. I don't think that there is any science happening behind the, which is such a loss. Yeah. You know, I mean, cause yeah. again, it, I am with you. Like there, there's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, like to me, it'd, it'd be like, Oh man, you know, cause again, you know, I could definitely see them wanting to say, Oh, well, we don't want you to know that you need to get to this yellow star. It needs to be a discovery each time you get there. And it's like, okay, first of all, they're called telescopes. Secondly, <laughs> so I should have some idea before I send off this, you know, giant craft that took me decades to build to just some random star and just fingers crossed, gang, you know, like this, this generation space spacecraft. Right. But uh, but that being said, is that I think then, you know, mechanically, it would make sense because you'd say like, OK, well, this star is, you know, f- five parsecs away. So I fly there, but it's a red dwarf. So I'm like, oh, well, it's got one, you know, barren planet. Meh. Now there's this yellow star, man. That's that that's going to be a good one. There's there's probably some good stuff there, but that one's twelve parsecs away. So I better research iridium fuel cells so that way I can get out there. You know, so as a, or if like, man, there's nothing but red and white dwarfs nearby me, man. What it's I'm basically in a dead section of the universe. You know, so I'm not even going to worry about the iridium fuel cells because there's not going to be anything near me. I'm going to research this other stuff. You know, so kind of teasing out some of that information that you could have meta knowledge that you could have only if you were like good on your astronomy astronomy uh would you mean, be a, you mean if you were a nerd yeah <laughs> but i'm a good nerd i actually know this <laughs> That's um fair. um you, you are know, the the more you explain this the more you're actually making me think like oh they probably actually didn't do that on purpose be, because the the universe needs to feel more sort of random and i'm mm-hmm. i'm thinking this reminds me of all the times i've played civilization and the lay of the land makes no sense. Like mm-hmm. you explore more and more space and you're like, Oh, here's a tropical rainforest immediately next to a desert that also has a desert on the other side, but then snowy mountains directly above it. It's like, because otherwise you, you would just dream castle. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> or, or right. The Tinkerbell show. Anyways, whatever. Yeah. But it's yeah. I'm uh, uh crap. Um, what do you call it? Tinkerbell universe. It's the fairy forest or something. I don't Anyways. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hook (laughs) it's 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 there needs to be some amount of not predictability otherwise one i think eventually you would figure it out and it would get boring Uh, and two people coming in with that sort of knowledge would have a massive advantage over what's supposed to be a surprise right and so it's i'm 
I think it'd be cool for it to be an off by default option, right? Like, like realistic star distribution would be an interesting way to play. Just like you can play civilization with a realistic layout of the world. You can actually in civilization six, you can play true start location earth, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Because then, and I think they've had a, some version of that going back pretty far. Right. But I don't, I don't know of any space civilizations that have that same kind of thing for, from this era, maybe now, but from this era that had the same kind of thing for astronomy. Yeah, no, because then then you get to say like, hey, what if uh, the Sumerians were super belligerent and their leader never died? You know, and then you get to see how history would have played out. Uh, but no, it, <laughs> and, and, and I agree. I, I definitely think that they, they didn't put it in there on purpose for, for the reasons that we said, which is that it kind of can quash exploration. But that being said is I don't think that they should make it that way. The good stars the good plants are always around you know yellow stars and like you know red dwarfs always have garbage planets um i think that because like the idea is that you know there could be habitable plants around a red dwarf it would just be rarer and also you'd have to be so much closer to it that the tidal effects would be way worse but i mean they don't have to get into that right you know the the, (laughs) so i just think that if it's it's kind of like you are statistically more likely to find habitable planets on this one. I don't think it would quash the exploration because you may find some of those rarer gems where, you know, you go to a red dwarf thinking it's going to be uninhabitable and it's got like a Gaia level planet. You're like, whoa, I did not anticipate this, right? So then it's like finding gold or, you know, you could go to a yellow star and be like, oh no, this star system's dead. Oh well, you know? So Well, and they, I, I, they literally have that mechanic semi-present where sometimes you find like artifacts or you find gold or mineral deposits. So like they could do a, a, like a reward, like a risk reward where it's like, Oh, these kinds of stars are more likely to have generically positive planets, but these kinds of stars are older stars that are more likely to have garbage planets that have the remnants of former civilizations. They won't all have the remnants of former civilizations, but the likelihood is way higher, but there may not be anything there worth colonizing. So do you waste the time going over there? Right. There's, they're, they could have, and maybe they're doing that, but it's it certainly wasn't extreme enough that I noticed, right? It, they they could have balanced things in that way to make it a little bit more realistic and a little bit more still gamey in the ways it needs to be gamey to work. Right. And then again, like I said, like I, I think that games like this, um, you know, it, it just, any time when you can get tangential learning out of it, I mean, the same thing with like Civilization VI, which is a, a very, very good job putting tangential learning in there because in civilization six, um, they have this, uh, for, for culture and for science. Um, but mostly, mostly for culture is that like, as you, you get these great people, um, so you get like great writers, right? And so, um, when you get the great writer and you use them, you get a culture bonus, which has a mechanical effect, which is good, but it actually shows you the great work of writing. And Sean Bean actually reads it to you. Um, you know, a snippet of it right so i mean like it's just because he narrates the whole thing you know so it's just kind of like you get a little snippet of mary shelley's frankenstein or a little snippet of like the iliad or the odyssey you know so stuff like that's amazing because it again it has a mechanical effect but like i i literally have said um somebody said to me recently like man you just have a quote for everything i'm like a lot of it's from civilization six that i've been playing because i said to somebody you know well wasn't it winston churchill who said no matter how perfect the strategy one should occasionally check the results and people were like, yeah, that, that, that sounds good. I'm like, yeah, it's civilization. It's video games. I'm not, I didn't like read that yet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is also the, the secret 
point behind Doctor Who originally, right? Is that going forward in the future would teach kids about science, going into the past would teach kids about history, right? And it, yeah. it became much more of a drama later, but like you can make learning fun. Like this is a thing that we've known how to do for ages. Well, it's like, wait, what, what have you said uh, in previous podcasts? Is it's uh, if you want to create a great ship, do not teach people how to build a ship. Instead, inspire in them a love of the sea. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the whole quote is actually kind of long, but it's like if you want to build a ship, don't gather men to you know get timber and and sew sails. Like, give them an undying love for the ocean. And it's like, yeah, yeah, be, because. Nobody wants to do work. They want to have fun. So you have to, and it's like, you don't want to mask the work, but you can make work intrinsically motivating. Right. And we're so far afield from visuals. We, we, we have, um, the, the, the final little throwaway note that I have, which is, um, I did like the variation of alien races. I thought that they were very visually different and very visually alien, you know? So you've got like, most of them have, you know, like the, the four limbs, like of like the Star Trek thing. Um, but, uh, but you know, like the, the rock people, they're rocks, they're inorganic, which is a trait, you know, which is kind of cool. Um, the, the one that I just said was, uh, the Mercians, right. Which are the, uh, um, oh, the cat, cat people. people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Mercians has wares if player has coin, you know, <laughs> <It's> just, I, <laughs> that's, that's, there's a lot going on in that joke. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was pretty happy with that joke. So I wrote that joke and I was like, I got to get that into the episode <laughs> somewhere. Um, that Oh, man, that's the my follow up comment about the way the different races <laughs> look seems so uninspired now. <laughs> so uh, what I was going to say is I like that uh, one, you see uh, the like generic view of the race uh, when you're picking a race. And you see mm-hmm. that same kind of generic view of the race when you're in like the communications room. Um, mm-hmm. But when you make a scientific discovery, you see the scientist class of your race. And for some of them, it's just like, oh, it's it's like a person, but in like a lab coat. Right. And it's it's like, yeah, it's just what I would expect. But, you know, a lot of them, there's like fish people and rock people and bug people and cat people. So like they look different, which is such a childish like bizarre classist, like, Oh, well (laughs) all of our scientists are the color blue because that's the color that scientists are. Right. But it to a kid playing this game that gave me a very clear, like, Oh, these are the scientists. Those are the soldiers. This is the diplomat. Right. And it's, it's bad to to group people literally by color, but it does give you really clear information. And some of them like the, um, the, the formic people, Mm-hmm. crap that is it like clacks clacken claxons yeah um Klaxons? yeah their their scientist bugs are like kind of a gold color they actually look sort of awesome <laughs> and <laughs> science is already no question the best way to play the game and so like yes when you see no the question the, yeah the, co- the cool science bugs are like cool looking science bugs yeah. science bugs um yeah no because originally when you said like oh well you know the uh the a lot of the different races are just straight up different colors it's like yeah, that's racist. Wait, no, judging like they they could have entirely different types of racism because like we're just saying that it's based off the color of their skin because that's the particular arbitrary thing that we've decided to group our species by. But it's like 
it may not be racist for them because they may go off of eye color or whether like mandible size or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe the dinosaur people do like number of spines sticking up off your head. Like, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Can, can, I mean, and 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 they're all on the brink of a world war because they of race. Like, hey, hey, dinosaur! I don't like you because you're the wrong type of dinosaur. You know, like it's just. <laughs> Which is exactly what I would hear over the radio, you know, as they were doing that. But uh, speaking of hearing things, <laughs> that's that's a hell of a segue. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm I'm just really proud of what I've done today. Um, <laughs> this game has two noises. It has uh, the boop noise that makes every time you click anything, um, and then it has the uh, the spa mood music that's playing in the background all the rest of the time. Right. And I actually like that mood music a lot. Um, personally, it reminds me a lot of uh, Tomorrowland at Disney World. Right. Because it's just that vague, whooshy, whooshy, like, pew, 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 pew. Right. Just a uh, lot of, there's no melody. I mean, it's not a song. Like, there are little snippets of melodies, but like, you cannot realistically hum along to this entire piece of music because it's ambient sci fi sounds. It's not a tune, right? Which is fine because you're going to be hearing it non goddamn stop. So it needs to not be invasive. And I think they actually really made the right choice with ambient wooshy wooshiness because there are parts that have little snippets of music. Like when you are in a diplomatic communication and things get tense, you get tense music. And when things are peaceful, each race has their own little peaceful communication music. And so it's like, Oh, this is like the music of that culture. And I learned to associate it with the, you know, interacting with that, that race. And, uh, those little moments stand out a lot more because most of what you hear is just sci-fi whooshy whooshy sounds, right? If you were like hearing music all the time, then those little snippets of different music might kind of get drowned out essentially by the song you can't get out of your head. Uh, yes. So, um, the, the overarching music, uh, quote, makes you feel like you're at an aquarium, um, <laughs> w- yes. which is, yeah, which is what, which is what Megan said, because she was just kind of <laughs> like, I feel like I'm at the aquarium. Cause she couldn't see anything I was doing. Like I was just sitting beside her playing and she was like, like, this is like an aquarium. I'm like, no, it's a space game. She's like, oh, I guess that makes sense too. Um, that so I, I know that music really really well and the other music that I can I can hum for you just all the time because like you said it's not generally hummable there's one that's very hummable which is or ish which is what happens when you get a scientific discovery yeah which, yeah uh, it's, it's your one up music because you just got yeah. a little bit better than every other race in the galaxy. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, which is, you know, especially if you're playing on creative, which I'll get to in mechanics, because <laughs> that's, that's my jam. I mean, to be fair, I literally all 4X games, I just go all in on science. But sorry, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, honestly, so I got all that. And then the, the one other thing that um, uh, audio cue that they did that I really liked, because it's also got like a stark visual behind it as well, is when the... Um, Antares attacks, you know, like that has like this kind of like, like, you know, like you see the wormhole opening. And the nice thing is that you get to see that regardless of whether or not they're attacking you, you know? So like, while that's happening, you're like, 
no, 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 no. And then like it goes back to the main screen and you don't see a little red line drawn to one of your planets with an ETA of five rounds. And you're like, <gasps> <laughs> you know, and, like, all right. All right. It's cool. We're all, we're all good because, um, again, this also straight into the mechanics a little bit, which is, uh, you know, I, I just always like, Full on, just again, like all in science, all in building things that like help me build infrastructure for science. I never build a spaceship until I have a spaceship worth building, which is to say, first half of the game, I am wildly defenseless. So like, you know, if the Antares come, I've got my two initial starting cruisers. So I'm just, I'm not even going to try to muster a, a, a fight, you know, like it's it would be like just kind of like oh my god look at all those ships is this really worth dying for i don't know you guys are the ones who are going to be dying you know like, <laughs> um I, so, quick quick side story um one of the because i got to play through i think like four or five entire games which was awesome because I, I wasn't sure i'd be able to get through that much but uh one of them was really short because i was just in this terrible little corner of the galaxy and the i think it's the illyrians the ones that look like blue women yeah, um, they showed up on like round two and we're just like, hey, um, we're going to kill you now. And so like <laughs> I made an effort to defend myself, but it, it just they just for the first five turns, all they did was say, like, we're going to go kill that guy. And and they just came to a neighboring star system and started just murdering all of the peaceful science bugs who lived there. And it, it was just like. I, 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 just, I, I uh, okay. I guess I'm going to start this one over because like, I couldn't get them to leave me alone. Like I gave them technology. I, I was like begging them for peace treaty. I was like, the game just started. Why are you doing this? <laughs> and you see, it's in situations like that when normally what I'll do is I'll like restart the game and then specifically look for that alien race and just exterminate them, yeah, you know? Yeah. And you, you know what? This is multiverse theory, right? is because the science bugs that live in this universe, they don't know why they've always hated the Illyrians, but they've always hated the Illyrians. Well, the way I kind of picture it is that, you know, like the Illyrians are like just bombarding all of your planets and, you know, like, like, so it just cuts to like one of your space bugs, like rapidly typing into a computer and like the camera shakes and all this sort of stuff. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, no, we can't save this universe, but we can save the others. You know, like a portal (laughs) opens up and they shove one space bug through, you know, So, so then all of a sudden, like you like appear on like this, like new universe and you're like, no, this one will be different because you're, you're, you're future trunks, you know? Like, so you're not saving your universe. You're saving, you're a, saving. a similar universe. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, we are, we're already off of audio. Do you have anything else to say about audio? Um, I just, I, I'm surprised how inoffensive the beeping noise became after hearing it probably literally thousands or tens of thousands of times. Cause I mean, everything in the game is done by clicking on stuff and everything you click on makes the little like noise. So, you would expect that to get really annoying and it totally does not, which is like do well done sound designers. Um, and I, I can't, uh, emphasize enough that my favorite piece of music is the tiny little piece of music that plays when you deploy the stellar converter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that piece. Okay. So, this could be our segue into mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> the stellar, stellar converter, converter for the win. Yeah. 
is a device you can mount on a planet or onto a starship. When you mount it on a starship and you go visit someone else's planets, you can use it to destroy their planet. Like, Mm -hmm. reduce it to asteroids, right? Yes. And (laughs) when the little cool, like, 3D rendered animation you get is uh, the door of the ship opening and this cannon, like, sticking out because naval warfare, I guess. (laughs) And then uh, it blasts the planet into chunks and then obviously everyone is dead but it it plays kind of it, it's short it, the whole thing's probably what 10 seconds but it's this ominous like blah, 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 right like it's it's not super triumphant the music is almost like what you would expect to see in uh like a a, mo- a movie about like bombing like using nuclear bombs in war it's it's we resorted to this this final measure of literally destroying another race's planet because we had to win the war and it was horrible. And the cost of life was calculable because it was every single person on the planet, right? Like it's how many died all. Yeah. But but what I I think is cool about that little snippet of music is you're not painted as the hero. It's not John Williams, super triumphant, like, like world war two, like we're the good guys going to punch the Nazis. It's like, you are committing this most final of acts and, and I don't remember ever really realizing that as a kid, but on this playthrough, I definitely was like, Am, are, are we the baddies? Like, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, I have to reduce your planet to asteroids so that I can recombine it into a better planet and then Gaia terraform it because that's what I'm going to do. But you know, yes. you'll be a footnote in my history. <laughs> Yeah, because no, we, you did what had to be done. You see, I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to somebody who rises and sleeps under the very comfort that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. <laughs> so I used the Stellar Converter quite a bit. <laughs> um. <laughs> So all of that being said, no, so so again, this is because you kind of touched on it. This is my favorite of of things to do because I just and, and this is one of the, the types of thinking that I think games like this encourage, as terrible as it is, which is, you know, it's 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 a puzzle to some degree, right? So the thing is you can only so okay, toxic planets and irradiated planets, you cannot Gaia terraform, right? Um you can once you get the weather technology that removes that status. Well, I didn't feel the need to figure that out apparently. So, cause I had my own way of doing it. So, <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> there's an easier way, man. So, so the thing is that it's, you can't Gaia. Um, I thought you couldn't Gaia terraform those, those planets. Right. So, um, and you can't use the stellar converter on just a random planet. You can get a bunch of asteroids in an asteroid belt, though, together to make a medium or a, a large, actually a large or an extra large size planet, which is weird because even if you blow up a small planet, it still forms an extra large planet when you make it into an artificial planet. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. It's, but It's putting different colors of Play-Doh all into one container. They're like, why doesn't the Play-Doh fit? It's like, well, because you have more Play-Doh than is supposed to go in there. <laughs> why is this planet well, bigger than the planet we destroyed? I don't know. You got other planet pieces. <laughs> Well, I feel like that, that at some point somebody says like, is this planet a lot bigger? And then just somebody like 
knocks on it and it makes that the empty steel drum sound. <laughs> you know? Whoops. So, planet's empty on the inside. Bone dry. So with all that being said, what you do is if you get uh, uh, into a, a planetary system that has a, a small toxic planet, right, is you go to one of your allies and you say, hey, would you like this planet? Please put people on this planet, right? So then they go and they put people on the planet, which means now you can actually use the stellar converter on the planet. The game will now let you do that. So then you blow up that planet, right? <laughs> and then you make it into a large and now Gaia-capable planet. So you trade a small toxic planet for a large or extra large Gaia planet, and you only have to kill like a million people. Okay, um... <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face is like I don't know what part of that to correct first. There's nothing to correct. Everything you said is absolutely true. The the problem is <laughs> what you're essentially doing is and and maybe you already came to this conclusion on your own is you have a small toxic planet that you want to turn into a large Gaia planet, but you know, the law of equivalent exchange, George Ah, yes. <laughs> so to yep. get the materials you need to turn it into a large Gaia-class planet, you have to put aliens on it yep. and then use the stellar converter to transmute them, the stellar transmuter, to t- turn them into <laughs> the raw materials that will make a large Gaia-class planet. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and and the way I kind of looked at it was that it's like, because, you know, like you're the the leader, right? Of like this civilization that that spans generations, right? You know, because of the technology and the years that go by and all sorts of stuff, right? So, the way I look at it is that I say like, you know, here I need you on this planet so I can convert it into a, an extra large planet. It's like, but we'll all die. It's like you don't understand. For me, you're all already dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then you blow the planet up, right? Pop. But you just see it on your your little, you know, iPad, your future iPad or whatever. So it's just a little like poof. <laughs> Actually, uh, I, I, I would have made if I was the leader of the civilized people. It's like they'd be like, you know, here's the live feed. No, I just can you can you give me a little poof animation with like a sound effect and like a sad trombone sound, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I want you because I have something to say about playing creative races. Um, and I know you do, too. So, yeah. ABC man. Yeah. So always be creative. So explain to me, explain to me and to the listeners at home why science play style, best play style. Don't at me because that's how I've described it in my notes. (laughs) No, is it because, you know, the sign having a technological advantage in from my seat, any of these games, but certainly in this game is far and away the best way to go because it gives you access to all of the other things that improve every other category. You want to be better at mining, get better mining technology. You want to be better at uh, uh, economics, get better economic buildings, which you need to get through science. You want to be better at science, be better at science. Like it, it's a, it's a, it's a positive feedback loop, right? So um, there's absolutely no reason to not focus on science. Now, the interesting thing that this game does that many games don't, which is that most of the time in most, or at least in most of the civilization games I played, right, is when you research a technology, you get all of the things that come with that technology. With this one, when you research a technology, you get to pick one of the two, well, between one to three things in that category. That's what you're researching, right? Now, when you're a creative race, you get them all. 
which means you don't have to make a choice between whether you want a stellar converter or this like thing that feeds everyone. You get to have both, right? So you don't have to decide between being a monster and a savior. You can be both. <laughs> you can be the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, you know? So yeah, I, I think that there's maybe, not on this playthrough, certainly, because I'm not dumb, but uh, there's maybe a handful of times I've ever played this game as a non-creative race. Yeah. So um, just cosign everything you just said. Um, <laughs> but what I want to add to that is the realization that I had on this playthrough was I played, like I said, I think four or five, you know, full games, full rounds. Um, and all of them, I ended up playing a creative race. Uh, I think a few were just the regular built in uh, Cylons. And then a couple times I did, you know, custom races. Uh, but the realization I had was I kind of sat back and said, you know, like, oh man, like maybe I should try playing like a war monger race or like the spying race, the Darlocks or whatever, um, or like the diplomatic race, right. And try and, you know, win through persuasion and communication. And then I, I sort of was like, but, but I'm having fun being scientist, <laughs> like not that the other play styles can't be fun and, and not that I even am incapable of enjoying them, but I didn't feel a push away like, oh, the science play style has gotten boring. I was continuing to have fun with it. And most of the time I've ever played this game or any game like this, I've tried to, you know, be the the technocracy essentially. And and I maybe for some people playing the same play style would get super boring, but like I never got there. I was like, nope, creativity, nope. always creativity. Like I'd rather give up every other trait if they just said like oh the one thing that this race does is that they're the one race that has creativity it'd be like fine done i'm in well and i think too though that that's kind of one of the ways because i do think that the the science play style is the easiest play style no question no question so so that being said is that i think that it's kind of a way for you to modulate your difficulty even within the difficulty settings right so you can set it to easy but if you want to play it on like easy, easy, just go for the science victory. If you want to play it on like hard, easy, then try to go for like the diplomatic victory. And that's very similar in Civilization Six, which is that, you know, when I played through Civilization Six, the first time I played through, got science victory, got the little medal for it, right? I probably played that game for two, three months before all of a sudden I was like, uh, I should probably eventually go for a religious victory, eh? Which is yet another fun, this is a Civ story, but a fun thing, which is that the way you get the religious victory in that particular game is if all of the world's um, governments have your religion as their main religion. Like, the, the more than 50% of their population is worshiping your religion, right? Mm. And so, even though I was going for the religious victory, I still kind of did the technocracy thing because I researched a bunch of technology and then wiped out every civilization but me and one other civilization of which I left them one city and then I went and converted that city. You know? Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I was like, yeah, this this doesn't feel right though. This doesn't feel like the way they wanted me to do this. Um, no, you know what you did. You... <laughs> <laughs> the the religion you founded was Oz. <laughs> Oz? Yeah, like you, there was no real God. Like science was God. There was just a man behind the curtain saying like, worship this God or I'll blow you up like everyone else. Or, or you know what it was? It was the, uh, um, the beginning of the foundation in uh, Ooh, yeah. 
you know where they're like no it's like god and religion and stuff and it's like no it's all science but don't do don't tell them that don't tell you know? them that <laughs> uh but yeah so so i think that that's kind of a way for you to modulate your playthrough each time and i completely agree i never got tired of of just kind of slowly building up science and then going around and watching everybody's bb's you know pop off of my titanium plated exoskeleton or whatever wild thing i was throwing at them and i think that that kind of speaks to one of the um main style one of the main types of gameplay that this game uh gives you which is abnegation right which is to say that which it doesn't seem like it would right but literally this type of game a forex game is one where you can just set it to relatively easy just go through, build up incredible technology, and then just slowly... And it's just this like nice, slow, rhythmic process. You literally can set your own pace because if it takes you five minutes to figure out what you want to do next, you can just go. It's so low stress, you know? Um, and you just slowly but surely make progress and win the game. So um, I find that very cathartic, uh, which is just something that, you know, you don't really think of in a strategy game. You think of it being like, no, I need to think every two seconds about all sorts of stuff. It's like, no, man, just you just set it to easy and then just research science and then just slowly become a god. Well, this is something that I think the the UI really supports is you are basically ruling the galaxy from a computer terminal, right? Mm-hmm. You you send spies off to other star systems, but you never see them. They don't come into your office and you give them orders. You don't even give a subordinate the orders to go give them orders. You on your you know Star Trek iPad, you just send them off to a star system. You hire your advisors through your iPad. You direct your starships through your iPad. Like everything feels really there's at least a single degree, but usually several degrees of separation between you and the action. And the biggest way that that's enforced is there's no turn timer, right? Like this game would suck infinite ass. If you were constantly under the gun, if they were like, well, you know, you didn't take your turn. And so things were happening like while you were just sitting around, it's like, no, 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 don't put a pause menu in here. Don't give me a countdown timer. I'll take all the damn time I want. Or worse, if it was an RTS. No, yeah. I mean, those games, like, I've played Warcraft and, and uh, Starcraft. Starcraft. Like, those games are fun, but that's not yeah. this. But that's, that's not this game. Not at all. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing, is that Starcraft, similar era and time, I mean, like, I remember going to the computer lab and watching, you know, them set up their land games and just murder house each other, right? I mean, Starcraft is a great, fun game, but uh, this is not that. This is just, again, it's it's just nice, calm, you know, cathartic. Um, one of the things I really kind of like, uh, so just to kind of book in my thoughts on the custom race is two things. One is that uh, just how many different like racial traits there are for you to choose from. Like it really does give you a lot of things to pick. Um, but I like the fact that they cap you at, so so basically you get 10 points to spend on traits, right? But there are some traits that are bad. So they give you like negative points, you know, like you spend negative points, you get points back, right? Um, they cap you at negative 10 negatives, you know? So you can't dramatically min-max yourself, you know? Um, And and your your final... So it it also manifests as how it modifies your score. And you mm -hmm. cannot play the game with a handicap. You can only play the... Or sorry, you can't play the game with bonuses. You can only play the game with a handicap. 
So you can play where you suck more than you have to, but you cannot play with an unstoppable super race that has only positive traits. Correct. And that's actually something that is, um, it's a fine choice. Uh, I, I, they, they, in more modern RTSs or sorry, RTSs in more modern four X games, uh, like in civilization six, they, they don't give you that. They just have like different, basically the different races. They don't have like a, a custom race. Right. But, um, one of the interesting things, and I don't know if you could do it in this game, or at least I didn't see an option to, which is that you can actually mold the world to fit your leader, right? So if your leader gets bonuses to sea combat, you could be like, yeah, well, I'm, I want to be on a, on a world that's like 99% sea, right? So you can't do that here where you could say like, okay, I want to pick a low G, um, you know, a low G race, but all of the planets need to be low G. You know, yeah, you um, do. One of the more advanced technologies you get is um, a thing that will alter the gravity. So if you're a low yep. gravity race, right, but you have to get there. You don't start with it. You can't make the universe suit you, right? Your right. home world always suits you, but you can't make the rest of the universe suit you. I, I made my home world rich because I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I do. I do like though that they kind of capped it out to the point where you can't be like, okay, I'm gonna be you know, all of these terrible things, but all of these amazing things. And then I'll just be very careful about the way that I interact with the universe. They're like, no, you can only take up to negative 10 things. And, uh, and then the way that they, they, they were very careful about the point value for each thing, because it really prevents you conglomerating certain skills together. So you can't like be both creative and, uh, super good at research and super good at industry. Like you can be creative and decent at research and decent at industry, but you can't be amazing at those three things because you'd have to take on too many negatives in order to get it accomplished. Yeah. I assume balancing the math of this, not only at all, right? Not only just literally having to make a system that is, is balanced and feels fun and fair, but to make a system that's balanced, feels fun and fair. And the player has perfect information you know what trade-offs every single race has and when you build a custom race you know exactly what it costs you to buy the creative trait and what you gave up to get it right so it's like it's it's never like oh well but there's some amount of randomness no the cylons are always the cylons the fish people are always the fish people the cat people are always distracted by little red lights you know it's it's always there's always the same things and yet they're still fun and randomness in other places that make it feel alive, even though you, like I said, essentially have perfect information. In fact, now that I think about it, one of the traits you can get is omniscience and omniscience literally gives you perfect information. It shows you where every single ship is, even if it's invisible. And it shows you the planets in every single star system from the very beginning of the game. Right. And that's like, you can't do a lot better than literally knowing where everyone is and what everyone is doing. And you can see like the buildings on their planets, even if they're on the other side of the universe. Right. So it's like the That's game super expensive. It's super expensive. But the fact that the game is even playable with that much information and it's not just like, Oh, but I know everything they're going to do. And it's like, no, you know, everything they've done and you know, everything they're doing but you don't know for sure what they're going to do next right and that's yeah. where you still get randomness and you still get player decision and everything and, it, and it's it's, it's and incredible I think that, like it's an incredible design feat and i think that it's particularly interesting because they do not conflate omniscience with omnipotence because it's like it's just kind of like i can see everything it's like yeah i mean you can't do anything about it 
what a curse, you know? Um, <laughs> one of the other things that, uh, uh, again, a minor thing that I, I really enjoy that I don't, uh, that I know civilization doesn't do this, which is um, you don't know exactly how long it's going to take to research a thing because it gives you approximate turns. And then as you near that discovery, it kind of gives you a percent chance each round of discovering the thing, which I like because as much as I'd love it to scientific discovery doesn't work on a clock, you know, like, so <laughs> you can tell when it's you're not like building close. a thing. Yeah. It's not like, you know, okay, well, we're going to do thing A, thing B, and then we're going to, you know, prove that the Higgs boson exists and that Heisenberg's uncertainty principle is, you know, absolute and correct. Um, you know, a lot of people have some trouble understanding Heisenberg. Um, <laughs> that, that's an old reference, man. <laughs> God, I just, cut. Yeah, man, I just really dated myself with that. It's like saying we worked at Blockbuster. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I like that because then, you know, is it, that there were sometimes, I never felt um, cheated by it because, you know, even when it was like, you have a 50% chance of discovery, I'd be like, okay, next turn. Uh, yeah, 67% discovery. Okay, next turn. And then, you know, eventually, if it, I, I don't think it ever got like up to 100%, you know, where I was just kind of like, okay, come on. But then sometimes it was at like 15% and I got the discovery anyway and I felt like I cheated somebody and it felt great. But here's the interesting thing about that whole mechanic that I really enjoy, which is that it truly disincentivizes you to completely throw time and energy into one technology tree. And here's why is because let's just say that, you know, your, your research points, your ability to get new technology is ramping up at a nominal pace, right? At, at the normal rate, right? Then, so let's say that, you know, it's generally taking you about 10 rounds to research the three technology trees that you're throwing energy into, right? So, and you research three tiers of it. Well, so now you've got 20,000, it takes 2000 research points in order to get the next technology. You are researching at 200 points per, per round. So that means that it'll take about ish 10 rounds. Okay. So if there is another technology that you have researched none at all, those start off at like 150, but it will now still take you three rounds, two to three rounds to research it because it starts off as a percent chance. So you actually will spend three 600 research points you know between 400 to 600 research points researching something that takes 150 points whereas if you had researched it when you were only getting 50 points per round it probably would have only taken you like 100 points because of the way the percent chance works so that's actually a really kind of clever way to incentivize you to not just research one tech tree all the way through because it's it's actually suboptimal i i like that because it's the big numbers would probably scare most people off, right? Mm-hmm. But the understanding statistical probability would scare a more advanced player off, right? Right. So because somebody might just look at it and be like, ah, I don't care, it's 10,000 research points, I'll just throw the 30 rounds at it, whatever. But someone who understands the mechanics better is more likely to say like, well, it's 30 rounds on average, and it might be as few as like 27, but it might be as many as like 45. And this is not worth 45 rounds to me. Right, exactly. So, and, and so, and that's actually a very poor point, which I didn't think of, which is that just the number disincentivizes the green player, but then the experienced player can say, no, this is actually mechanically not worth it. You know, so that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, so I have a story I've been saving. Uh, and since we're talking about science, this is the time. Nice. So on one of my playthroughs that I seriously considered like saves coming and just resetting the game over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I did, I think like a medium, uh, size galaxy, um, universe, whatever. So I was, I, I guess it is technically a galaxy. Um, we are a cluster of stars in a galaxy because there are also stars off in the distance. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I was in my home planet was the very top left corner of the map directly below me was a black hole directly to the right was a black hole and the two stars that were closest to me, I couldn't reach because I started as a pre-warp society. So I start like I started building up technology so that I could get to these stars. I get to the first one and it has one small toxic planet. I get to the other one and it has one tiny barren planet. And I was like, (laughs) okay, so I start just like, trying to build stuff up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my ships eventually and I'll have to put an outpost there so I can at least go like a little bit further and try and find star systems worth colonizing. I eventually come into contact with other races. And by the time that happens, they have colonized huge parts of the galaxy because all the time I was just sitting in my little corner researching because I literally had nothing else to do. They were just expanding outward. And then one of the races, I think the rock people, Um, they got sort of pissy with me for like, cause I wouldn't give them something and they're, uh, they have that interesting trait. They're, um, repulsive. So you can't, you can't be diplomatic with them. Um, and so I was just like, uh, okay, I'm sorry, rock people. And like, they would attack me and then they would like demand tribute or something. And so they would leave me alone. And eventually I was like, wait, oh my God, it's finally happened. I have the best ships in the universe. I'm going to start building ships. (laughs) And and so one day the Cylons sent themselves out into the stars and just laid waste to the entire rest of the galaxy. And what must have been frustrating for the historians and the rock people culture is in the time it took me to get there, they had already taken over the galaxy. It was just me and them. (laughs) (laughs) So one day, this one planet way off in the corner of the galaxy that nobody bothered with because there were black holes all around it, like who would go out there? They just sent doom stars equipped with stellar converters out into the universe, and now there are no rock people. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, uh, Yeah, I I, I do just, you know, because you've heard this story, you you were there for it, but I do want to tell this story uh, to to the listeners, which was uh, back in college, you know, I, I was doing a similar uh, series of exterminations, right? And so, uh, you know, like you do. Uh, and so I got to the point because one of the interesting mechanics, oh, no, I can't link this to mechanics. One of the interesting <laughs> mechanics about this game is that if there is a civil, if there's a colony ship that still exists for the race, that race is not extinct, um, which is, is not true in like civilization. In civilization, if you take the city and they still have settlers, the settlers just disappear. Um, so in this one, I had basically, I was the Cylons and I went out and, you know, because I had to be, I wanted to be creative. And even when I play the creative race, I still play as a Cylons avatar because then no one else can have it. Yes. No, I'm a hundred percent with you. I am the (laughs) only creative race in the universe because mine, my creativity. My, this is my science. I, I got here first. (laughs) Uh, So, so I was playing as the Cylons and I went and like exterminated all the races and then like this little colony ship just appeared near one of my planets. So I sent the fleet after them and then they disappeared. And I was like, Hurr. so I sent them after the next one. And this is just 
lather, rinse, repeat after like four or five iterations of this colony ship like appearing, me sending my fleet after it and it disappearing. Like I started swearing or something. Something garnered your attention. So you came into my room and said, uh, like, what's the matter? And I explained the situation to you. And you said, you said, okay, so just so I understand, um, you are the Cylons and you are desperately trying to hunt down the one remaining human colony ship. And I said, yeah. He goes, so you're living out Battlestar Galactica <laughs> as the villains. And I was like, wait, yes, yes, all that checks out. You know? Yeah, so it was just weird to be, to really, truly, honestly empathize with the Cylons <laughs> in Battlestar Galactica because I was actively frustrated, you know? And it wasn't until you pointed that out, I'm like, oh, this is how they feel? And these humans are jerks. <laughs> no wonder they hated us. <laughs> uh, but do you have anything else? I don't. I've got you know a couple of other throwaway notes, but nothing substantial. Um, no, I, th- I think I'm probably good to to put the bow on this. Um, and so I'll just take us home with uh, this game requires not only no nostalgia goggles, but as an older PC game, there are pretty much infinity ways you can go and bring this into your life. Um, the Internet Archive will let you play this live in a browser, and depending on your computer, you may or may not have a good experience with that. Uh, the Internet Archive will also let you download the game locally and run it in an emulator, uh, which I don't know what the legality on that is, so don't quote me, but you can do it. So, you know, whatever. Um, and that, you know, if you're able to install it locally, that's an option. Uh, just pay money for it. Like, just, just give them money. Somebody will get money. Whoever owns the license for this, they deserve money, I guess. But like you can get it on good old games. You can get it on steam. I think you can get it on the Epic game. store. it's freaking everywhere. Like this game is not any, in any way difficult to acquire or play regardless, basically of the device you're on. And this 100% holds up at no point during the game. Did I ever say like, Oh man, this mechanic has an age. Well, this thing isn't very fun. This looks stupid. This sounds annoying, right? Just not once except with this tiny quality of life thing which was every time you build a new colony and you gotta like once you've maxed out all the science and you gotta like pick all the buildings like Mm. okay i gotta build these buildings in this order and you have to do that by hand every time but that's a tiny itsy bitsy little quality of life thing because by the time you can do that by the time you're just flippantly colonizing with maxed out science you've already won the game right yeah so you're just just playing to see how hard you win yeah you're just level 99 in your entire party in a final fantasy at that point it's like oh yeah this is boring grinding yes because you're doing boring grinding activities so they didn't build in workflows to accommodate boring grinding like it's it's hard to even call that a critique honestly right there's just there's very little that i would say has even aged period about this game like the visuals are a little dated but because it was a PC game, all the audio still sounds super crisp because it's really light on the music. It doesn't sound like, oh, they were limited by whatever. No, it sounds great. Looks great. Super fun to play. I want to go play right now. Like this whole time we've been talking, <laughs> I've been thinking like, and if we finish recording early enough, I could maybe squeeze a game in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. Absolutely no nostalgic goggles required. Um, you know, I mean, and again, having a, a three point system of, you know, absolute nostalgia goggles, nostalgia monocle, <laughs> and no nostalgia goggles. I almost feel bad saying no nostalgia goggles because that has lobbed this in with some other games that I would not equate this to. <laughs> you know? That's, that's fair. That's fair. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it just, it is a good game. Like when I say like, oh, well, here's who I would recommend it to. 
anyone. And I'm not saying like I would recommend it to you because if you like this particular genre or if you want to see this mechanic or you want to see how this does this thing well, this is just a fun game. Um, the game meets you on your terms. So if you just want to hop on and play for half an hour, you won't. But if you want to, you can. Um, if you want to, you know, like sit there and just kind of, you know, uh, spend a half an hour per turn, you can. If you wanted, wanted to literally uh, just kind of play it while doing something else, while listening to a podcast, while watching TV, you could do all of those sorts of things. The game kind of meets you on whatever terms you you want to. I mean, and so as far as games in general go, I feel like that the science is just right there at 100%. This game's a breakthrough. The music plays, the credits roll, then it all fades to black, and you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone, there's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil, fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creeping With the edge of a smile